Uh, I am excited today to uh, kick off a brand new sermon series that we are calling I Am Jesus in His Own Words. And so what we want to do, the purpose of this series is to go through the book of John and to see uh, what Jesus had to say about Himself and maybe what Jesus uh, has to say to us because of what he said about himself, right? I think there are some things that maybe Jesus didn't directly say, but we can look at what he said and who he said he was and maybe apply some things to our lives where maybe there's some just some things in question. We don't really know uh, what to do. And so that's probably, this is kind of the purpose for this, this series, right? What would he say to us if he were here today? How would he handle politics, uh, that's, a, that's a great thing to think about, isn't it? How would he manage a broken relationship? What would he say about social media? Uh, I, w- I was thinking about this a, a little while back. What would it look like if Jesus had a Facebook page? And so I just went to Facebook and I typed in the search area on Facebook just put, I just typed Jesus Christ into search on Facebook, and I found some pretty interesting stuff out there, right? This was probably my favorite. Look, I don't know how well you can see this or not, but this is, this is pretty good stuff. Like, I love here under birthday, it says December 25th, right? So make sure you all wish him a happy birthday if you're friends with him, I guess. Relationship status. This is great. In a relationship with the church... That's pretty clever, I think. Philosophy, religion, it's actually crossed out and says, can religion love you? I love you. Come hang out with me and get to know me as a person, not a set of rules. I think this is just brilliant. I don't know why I didn't think of this. He's even got friends, right? Moses, John, David, Paul, these are all his friends on on Facebook. And the one that really hit me hard, I thought was really good, it says interests. And under interests... It says nature, (laughs) obviously he'd be interested in that, worship, woodwork, people, you. That's awesome. The only thing I have, the only problem I have is the profile pic. That's not a great profile pic. I think he needs to change that, probably more like the Kenny Loggins looking Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen that one where he kind of looks like like him. But but, uh, if, if I were creating a page for Jesus... You know how Facebook always has that about section, right? The about section. I would put the things that we're going to talk about in this sermon series in that section. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. All of these statements that Jesus is making in the book of John, he's trying to portray to the first century church just who he is and what he came to do. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, there are so many issues that I would love for Jesus to weigh in on. I'd love to hear what Jesus has to say about this. I'd like to know his opinion on that. And I believe that the Bible is relevant just as much today. It's just as relevant today as as it was when Jesus was walking, when the living word, Jesus was walking the earth. All of those stories, all of those things that happen are just as relevant to us today. It's relevant for all people, for all times, because Jesus 
is the true source of truth. And Jesus, in his own words, many of the things that he said, right, they're, they're written down for us in the pages of the New Testament. And so we don't have to worry, we don't have to wonder about what he said about each of these things. And so that's the whole purpose of this series. Each week we're going to look at these I Am statements from the Gospel of John, where Jesus reveals his true nature to us. And as we begin to understand who Jesus is, we can further understand how he's working still in our world today through his Holy Spirit. Speaking of our world, I think it's safe to say that it is a world that is filled with unsatisfied and hungry people. We long for connection. We long for understanding. We long for love. We long for compassion and so much more. And I think C.S. Lewis said it perfectly when he said this, if I find in myself desires which in this world, uh, nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Let me read that again. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. In other words, I wasn't made for this world. We're just aliens who are here for a, for a short amount of time. We're just passing through. We're just visiting. In fact, I had some friends that used to have a, a Christian band called Just Visiting. I think that's the best Christian band name ever. Just Visiting. They got the idea. We're only here for a short time. But what would Jesus say to us while we're here on this earth during this short time? What would Jesus say to people who are both spiritually and physically hungry? I think the first thing he would say is what we're talking about today. I am the bread of life. This is John chapter 6 verse 35. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first one is pretty simple, pretty self-explanatory. Jesus is the bread of life. And my prayer for you today is to be open to what he's saying to you as the bread of life, that he would open your hearts and he would open your minds. And if you find yourself here today trying to find that satisfaction in something else, you would open your heart and mind to what Jesus has to say to you about how he can fulfill your life. You see, when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, that's a powerful metaphor because you need to understand just how important bread was back then. Right? It was, it was so important. And Jesus is saying that he is our spiritual sustenance. Right? Just as bread nourishes us and sustains our bodies, Jesus, the bread of life, nourishes us and sustains our soul. And this is more than just a physical uh, situation. This is more than just a physical hunger and thirst. It speaks to a deeper spiritual hunger, a deeper spiritual thirst that God wired into each of us, all of us human beings. He has hardwired this into us. And, and again, in the ancient world, the bread was a staple. It was an absolute necessity. It was a need for survival. It was bread back then is kind of like Texas Roadhouse rolls today. It's an absolute must. It's an absolute necessity. Have you ever been sitting in Texas Roadhouse and think, man, where would, where would this meal be without the rolls? Has anybody ever been there? I mean, you could probably enjoy the meal, but it just wouldn't be the same. Can I get an amen? 
I got to tell you, I said something about the resurrection earlier, and it didn't come close to that amen that I just got on roll, so I don't know. Maybe y'all need a spiritual checkup. I'm not real sure. In Jesus' day, this was, this was the primary source of nourishment. And it was used symbolically by Jesus and by people during that time. It represented life. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying that I am essential to your spiritual life. Without him, our souls will starve. Our souls will wither. We will never be what we can be in this life unless Jesus is a part of it. And we all know that hunger, right? That feeling. And then the satisfaction that comes after you have that hunger satisfied. But Jesus isn't talking about a temporary satisfaction that comes from physical food. No matter how great the meal is, you always need to keep going back and, and eat again, right? How many of you ever on Thanksgiving, like you just, you just eat and eat and eat and eat? And watch football and eat and eat and eat. And then you take a nap and then you wake up. And what do you want to do? You want to eat some more, right? It doesn't matter how good the meal was. You just have to keep going back. And then, and then I mean, you're having turkey sandwiches for a week. And, and turkey salads and all these. And you just got to keep eating. And Jesus is talking about this deep, lasting satisfaction that he says, listen, if you come to me, you'll never hunger again. If you'll come to me, you'll never thirst again. That's what he's saying when he says, I am the bread of life. And when you come to him and you believe in him, you're baptized into him. You start living your life for him, seeking his direction and his Holy Spirit is filling your life. You will never be hungry or thirsty again spiritually. And this is a promise from Jesus. And it's something that the world cannot offer you. I mean, they can offer it. They try to offer it, right? But they never really fulfill that. This world offers all sorts of things that temporarily satisfy people. Right? Wealth, success, power, pleasure. These are the things that the world offers to make us happy. But as many of us, as many of us experienced, when, when those temporary things are gone, we, we just kind of feel empty. Right? We, we kind of feel unsatisfied. We dive in and we think these are the things that are going to make us happy, but then down the road, it's just like, boom, there's, there's nothing there. And sometimes we feel even worse than we did before. It's kind of like, it's kind of like junk food, right? These things of the world's kind of like junk food. You know what I'm talking about? It tastes good for a moment. And you're like, oh, this is really good. And I got to have some, I got to have some more of that. But then it's not long after you're hungry again. In fact, you're hungry even faster than if you ate good food. I was thinking about this and I started thinking about all of the foods that we eat on a regular basis that science tells us. They leave us hungry a short time after we eat them. Here's a list. Sorry, class, that we just had number one on the list. Donuts. Sorry about y'all that was in my class there, right? French fries, soda, white bread, 
muffins, croissants. Finally, we get down to about 11 or 12 before there's something on the list that I don't struggle with, and that's alcohol. Praise God. That's the only thing on the list that, that I didn't have a problem with here. And Jesus is saying, you can chase after all of these things, these temporary things, wealth and success and popularity, and they'll satisfy for a moment, but they're like junk food, and you're going to find yourself wanting more stuff later and you might even gravitate towards stuff that you don't need and that is actually bad for you and at the moment it seems great but it's dangerous and in contrast to that Jesus offers himself and says I'm the bread of life just as Physical bread gives you strength and energy to get through the day, to physically get through the day. Jesus is saying, my spiritual nourishment to you helps you get through this life. And so he fills our souls with his word and with his love and with his grace and with his presence. He strengthens us in our weaknesses. He comforts us in our sorrows. He guides us in our confusion. He's the source of spiritual life. When Jesus said he's the bread of life, we need to know this. It was a metaphor, but it's so much more than that. It's a reality that we can experience if we are in Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, we believe in him. We place our faith and our trust in him. We experience this life-giving presence in our being that nothing else can do for us. And we find out he is indeed good and he's good all the time and he's good in a way that the world cannot offer and there's nothing that the world can offer that even comes close to what God gives us through Jesus I know as a young man I didn't believe that or I, I mean I kind of believed it but I didn't practice that right I would chase after things that I thought were the things that I wanted right I thought at one time I was going to be a musician Right? I was traveling with a gospel quartet. We had a bus. We knew some famous people. We thought we were a big deal. In our minds, we were a big deal. In a lot of other people's minds, we weren't a big deal. In God's mind, we were pretty shallow, really. Right? Even if that came to fruition, I wouldn't have been satisfied because I was chasing the wrong thing, the wrong reason. I wanted to be a professional bowler. Don't laugh at that. That's not funny. I could have done it. I mean, I thought I could. It kind of fell through. I actually bowled in the U.S. Open qualifier one year. Not in the U.S. Open. It was a qualifier. If I did well enough, then I got to bowl in the U.S. Open. So I go and I bowl 18 games. And I average, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying I average pretty well, right? I average a 218 for 18 games. I'm thinking, I'm in. They take the top six. Ain't nobody better than me. I finished 133rd. <laughs> My professional bowling days were not going to happen. Right? I was chasing the wrong things. I didn't understand that Jesus had created me for something way more than any of those things that I was trying to find satisfaction in. The world's promises never come true. That's something you need to understand this morning. The world's promises never come true. If you're taking notes, that's the second thing. Unlike Jesus, the things of this world make promises that simply just don't 
They don't come to fruition. They might temporarily, and we understand maybe down the road that these false promises are pervasive and they're alluring and they may come in various forms and they can be found in all of these junk food types of things that we're pursuing like wealth and fame and fortune and pleasure, even wisdom and knowledge. The world tells us if we just have enough money, if we just have enough power, if we just have enough popularity, if we just have enough pleasure, if we just know enough. Someone said this, and I can't, I can't remember who said it, but I wrote it down uh, and, and put it in here today. It says, we falsely believe that if we have enough, we'll be enough. Have you ever bought into that? Maybe you're buying into that now. And the harsh reality is this. The worldly pursuits often, they leave us empty. They leave us disappointed. Because here's what happens. If we are, if we are pursuing greed, then that leads to materialism, right? Or if we're pursuing wealth, that leads to materialism and greed and those sorts of things. If we are pursuing power, then that leads to corruption. We see that. We back to politics again, right? The pursuit of fame. That leads to vanity and narcissism. The pursuit of pleasure leads to addiction, sinful behaviors. The pursuit of knowledge and wisdom, that leads to arrogance and pride. See, all of these things that we're chasing, they lead to things that Jesus said are clearly against his will. And not only are they against his will, they're very temporary and they will never truly fulfill the longing that's in your soul. Wealth can be lost, power can be overthrown. Fame can fade away, pleasure becomes dull, knowledge and wisdom can be surpassed. And the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, 17, and this world is fading away. So John is saying, why are you even pursuing these things? Because even if you have them your whole life, this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live how long? Forever. False promises pass away. The promises of God never fade. St. Augustine, respected Christian theologian, once said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And I think this quote captures the essence of our human condition. We were created by God and we were created for God. And until we grasp that, our hearts are going to be restless. Until we find our rest in Him, every single thing else is going to cause restlessness. And so as we navigate through all of these false promises that the world throws in front of us, don't ever forget what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. A lot of you learned it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Fulfillment, happiness, a life like you've never known before. And so you need to understand this. If you get nothing else out of what I'm talking about today, get this third point this morning. The satisfaction of knowing Jesus is enough. That's enough. 
The satisfaction that only Jesus can bring is a profound and life-changing truth that we find in this Gospel of John that we're not only seeing today, but we'll see down the road as well in, in the coming weeks. When Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, he's offering this satisfaction that the world cannot give. You say, okay, well, that's great. You, you need to understand the context of where Jesus said this and when he said it and who he said it to. And I think it's going to ring even more true, right? Jesus, a lot of us know the story. Jesus fed 5,000 people five loaves and two fish, right? It's a miraculous sign of his power and his provision. The people all stood back and they were absolutely amazed. And they started following him, not because they understood, understood who he was. They're thinking, this is a guy that if we follow him, he's going to keep doing this and we're going to get a free meal. He's going to just keep giving us food. This is amazing. He can take two fish and some bread and he can feed all of these people. I'm going with that guy. What they didn't understand was he was more than just physical nourishment. He was spiritual nourishment. What they didn't understand was it's not about having your physical needs met, but fulfilling your deepest spiritual needs. And this is a profound shift from the worldly perspective. Because here's what the world does. The world equates satisfaction with physical fulfillment. Right? The satisfaction that Jesus offers is rooted in a relationship with Him. You say, well, it can't be that easy. It can't be because I've tried this and I've tried this and I've tried this and I've tried all of these different things and none of them has worked. And you're just telling me that if I follow Jesus, it's all going to be okay? Yeah. That doesn't mean everything's going to be sunshine and roses. That doesn't mean that all your troubles are going to go away. But God is going to come alongside of you and he's going to help you through those troubles. He's going to give you what you need to sustain you through the difficult times. This is a satisfaction that transcends our circumstances, our feelings, our understandings. I didn't plan to say anything about this today, but man, I just look over the congregation and I, I, I look at Steve over here who just lost his father. And being around this family in the last few days after losing the patriarch of their family and to see their response, yeah, it hurts. But to have that calm assurance that they know where their father is and that they're going to see him again, that only comes through Jesus. I'm looking at Mr. Josephson who just lost a daughter and his wife. His mother and father and Travis, they just lost a daughter and a sister and that whole family's hurting, but they know where she's at. And they have this calm assurance that they're going to see her again. That only comes through the bread of life. That satisfaction of knowing that he changes everything. When we come to him, we will never be hungry again. Doesn't mean we won't have some physical needs along the way. Doesn't mean we're not going to face any challenges in this life. 
But it means that Jesus has everything that we need and will sustain us. Spencer chose that song, Honey in the Rock. You are all that I need. The manna in the wilderness, God miraculously provided. You say, well, there's no way God can do anything with this situation. Don't, don't shortchange God like that. We can experience true contentment. We can rest in Christ. In cro- contrast to the fleeting superficial stuff of this life that the world offers, Jesus offers a deep lasting and fulfilling relationship. And here's the good news. It's not dependent upon our performance. And that's where we get it wrong sometimes as Christians. We feel like we have to perform a certain way, be good enough, have to do enough wonderful things for God to provide for us and love us. No, it's not based on performance. It's based on the grace of Jesus. It's based on His blood shed on Calvary. The world, when they offer us something, we've always got to give them something in return, right? Jesus just says, come to me. Come to me. I'll give you everything that you need. See, it's not about us. That's where we get it wrong. It's not about us and what we do. It's all about him and what he's already done. He's the bread of life. If you're sitting out there this morning and you've ever wondered, is there more to this life? I wonder if there is than what I'm doing. I wonder if there's more to to what I'm doing in life right now. Have you ever come to the end of your week and thought, wow, what was that? Is that it? Is that all I got? If so, you're in good company (laughs) because I think a lot of people have had those moments. Even people who have been Christians for a long time have had those moments, right? So you're in good company. You need to understand you're just visiting You weren't made for this world. And all of these systems that the world has put in motion, God is saying, listen, don't buy into that. Just trust me. If if I can quote C.S. Lewis again, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. You were made for another world. This place leaves us wanting. This place leaves us unsatisfied. Leaves us hungry. If that sounds like you today, and you've been trying to fill your life with the empty promises of the world's system, then I've got good news for you. Jesus is standing and waiting, saying, I'm the bread of life. And he's enough. He's enough. And we need to get to the point in our lives where we say, just give me Jesus. I love that song. Have you ever heard that song? Give me Jesus. How many of you have ever heard that song? Give me Jesus. All right, well, you're in luck because those of you who haven't heard it, I've asked Caleb to come and sing it for us this morning. This is what I want you to do. As Caleb is singing and playing this, uh, this song, I want you to just maybe just close your eyes and just think about what the author of this song is saying to us. 
and see if this is where you land. See if this is your testimony. See if this is your prayer. Um, go ahead and close your eyes, Caleb, whenever you're ready. Go ahead.
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's the answer, the only answer for everything that you face in this life. And he's the only thing. You know, the world will offer all of these other things that they think come close to what Jesus can offer. But you ever notice they've never come up with anything that equates to eternal life. Jesus is the only thing, the only one that you can experience in this life that affects the next life. And I hope you know him. If you don't know him, we want to give you the chance right now. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And if you're here and, and, and you want to experience the life-changing presence of Jesus in your life, we encourage you to come. Maybe you've already made the decision to follow Christ at some point in your life. You need a church home. You want to become a part of a church family. We'd love to have you become a part of ours. Maybe you just need to rededicate your life to Him and say, Lord, take me as I am. And just help me to trust in You and understand that You're all that I need, nothing else. Let's pray together.